The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory be to you, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things which have been accomplished among us, just as they were delivered to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the truth concerning the things of which you have been informed. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and a report concerning him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah, He opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim a release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It is as true to say that uh, then in Nazareth as it is to say it today in our own time and in this very place. Today we celebrate, as Pope Francis instituted in 2019, this is the Sunday of the Word, the Sunday of the Word. And in his uh, motu proprio, which he issued on the feast of St. Jerome called Apuerit Ilis, I think it's called, meaning opened to them. He takes it from the line of uh, Luke's gospel when the Lord is walking with his disciples on the road to Emmaus and he opened to them the scriptures. And it's a very beautiful document. I would encourage uh, everyone to read it today if you get a chance to look it up. Um, Very beautiful as to see what Pope Francis is encouraging, which is not something new. It's something that we see even from the first reading today has been the standard way in which the Lord reforms his people. And so what Pope Francis is requesting and putting and proposing to the church is the same thing that the Lord has always proposed to his people for their reformation and for their reorientation. If we look at the first reading today, 
where we see what uh, Ezra is doing with the people of God, we have to put that in context in order to understand the full depths of what is happening in that beautiful scene where all the people are listening attentively. They've all been united as one and they are all listening to the word of God and they weep when they receive the word of God. And then what Ezra says to them is rejoice because this day is holy and acceptable to the Lord. That day is holy and acceptable because the word of God was being attentively listened to by the people and they were now united again and no longer dispersed as they were. And so what has happened is, is that in that first reading, you've had three waves of the people of God returning from the exile. The first wave under Zerubbabel, as we've spoken of before, where Zerubbabel comes back with the first wave of Israelites down to Jerusalem from, from exile. And the first thing to be done is to rebuild the temple, to reinstitute the worship of God amongst the people. And so we see that whenever the Lord wants to reform his people who have deviated from right worship and who have deviated from his word and who have then become dispersed and have no unity among themselves, what he does is first institute right worship. The temple is the first thing to be built. And then in the second wave of the return uh, of the Israelites from exile, that second group that returns to Jerusalem, you have among them Ezra. And he is the one who, if you read in that book, it says he sets his heart to study the word of God, to live it, and then to teach it. That's what he puts his whole life into. And so then he spends his life studying God's word, which has been neglected by the people, and he increases in his love for that word and he implements that word not only in his own life, but desires that all of the people of God implement that word in their lives. And we can see the power of that word to reunite God's people because they are no longer dispersed, but they are gathered in Jerusalem by the temple and are now being united ever more deeply in their hearts through the word of God. What happens in the third wave then is that under Nehemiah, they end up building the wall of the city. In a certain sense, defending that which they have rebuilt, which is the temple and the reordering of their life to the word of God. And so that brings order back to God's people. Their worship has been reinstituted and is right, but also their relationship with the word is now restored. And so therefore God is pleased with them and it is a day that is acceptable to the Lord. He is pleased with what is happening amongst his people. The Lord always works in the same ways. Whenever his people become dispersed, whenever there is disunity, we should always go back to these two things. The focus again on the temple and the dedication again to God's word. Now we know that at the time of Christ, there is a change in the temple. The temple is no longer just a stone building, but is actually the body of the Lord. He is the temple. And so a reorientation of his people, which is his church, always has to begin with the Eucharist. It always has to begin with a refocus on the temple and on God himself. But not only that, there has to be a right relationship also with his word amongst God's people in order to bring back that unity so that the division is not something that is focused upon, but the union in that one body. And so that explains then the second reading that we have today. 
where what we're looking at and what St. Paul is emphasizing is that the members who consider, consider themselves as opposed to other members see only division. So when a hand looks at a foot and says, I'm not a foot, therefore we're not united. And yet it is one body that is made up of these different members. And it is through God's word that we come to this unity. The unity of the members, the different people, the, the, the individuals of God people become one body through his word, through his grace, through the temple, which is the body of Christ. And so those first two readings are then the lead up to the, what we see in the gospel, which is we begin in Luke's gospel and it comes from a little part from chapter one and another part from chapter four. And they are pushed together to emphasize the importance of our relationship with the word. St. Luke, when he begins his gospel, contrary to some uh, modern interpretations or modern scripture scholarship, which in some ways has deviated from the truth, in the Gospels, we have an account of the life of Christ. What St. Luke says in his Gospel in the beginning is that he is giving us eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus Christ so that we may come to know the truth concerning the things we have been informed of. In original sin with the devil, what the devil does in his temptation to Eve is he gets, to, gets her to doubt first the historicity of the word, right? That it actually happened. Did God really say this? Did God really say this? That temptation has never left the people of God. That temptation by the evil spirit to get them to deviate and doubt God's word is always present in every age. And then he begins, the devil, when it's further tempting Eve, to get her to disbelieve the truth or the meaning behind it. You will not die. And by that statement, he is saying God is lying. And so what happens is that temptation is to disbelieve that the, word, that the Lord actually spoke to them and that the words that they have, that they are pondering, are actually devoid of meaning and are false. Those are the temptations given to Eve. And so for us in our present age, sometimes we see that in certain types of scriptural scholarship, the same temptations present. Doubt it his, its historicity, doubt that the gospels can give us any access to Jesus Christ, and also that they are devoid of meaning. They're simply human books, but we know that not to be true. What Luke says here is that these are eyewitness accounts. We can come to know Christ through them. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who works through the human authors using all of their human faculties, not against their will, they're not simply stenographers, but they write under that inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we can come to know the truth about the Lord. And then what we see in the next part of the gospel taken from chapter four, we see this return of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to preach in the synagogues and hearts begin to be set on fire with that word. We see happening now what we see again in the, uh, later in Luke's gospel on that road to Emmaus. What we see on the road to Emmaus and what Pope Francis point to, points out is that when the scriptures are opened, eyes are opened and hearts are set on fire. And so the Lord in his preaching as he opens the scriptures and what we see was that what, that's what he does at Nazareth he goes and he preaches from the prophet Isaiah 
and he expounds upon what the prophet has said. He opens the scriptures to the people so that their hearts might be set on fire and so that their eyes might be opened. The tragedy here at Nazareth, we know what happens, is that they reject this and they actually throw the Lord out of their city. But at least when it comes to later in Luke's gospel, on that road to Emmaus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, their hearts are finally opened, their eyes are opened, and their hearts burn within them as the word is opened to them. And so what we are encouraged to and what Pope Francis intended through that motu proprio, he says that this Sunday that we celebrate, the Sunday of the Word, has multiple purposes, but most especially it is that the people of God must have a relationship with the Word, or the people of God will become disunited and dispersed. And so the encouragement is for us to have a relationship with the Word that Pope Francis says goes beyond just simply one Sunday a year. He says this is not simply a yearly celebration, but a year-long celebration. Our relationship with the Word must be like Ezra. We must make that fixed intention in our hearts, fix our hearts to study the Word, to implement that Word in our life and then to teach that word to others. Amen.